0: are entering the Freedom Hut.
1: Democratic Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez down at the border and saying that Border Patrol officers are a disgrace. Is she lying, my friends? We will break this down for you. Plus, we will have all the latest on the Kaepernick decision to have Nike pull shoes because there was an American flag version on them. That, plus the latest on the media freaking out over Trump's visit to North Korea and China tariffs, and so much more coming up on The Buck Sexton Show.
2: This This is The Buck Sexton Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters
1: with actionable intelligence. One small thing.
2: Make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American again.
1: The Buck Sexton Show begins.
2: Former CIA analyst.
1: Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now.
0: should ever be locked up in a pen when they have done no harm to another human being. It is a false notion. The idea that we have to choose between people is a false notion. No child ever has to suffer for the benefit of another. And I will never accept that argument.
1: Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. Now we see what we are really up against here in this border fight, the worst demagoguery, the most disgusting, unfounded lies in all-out assault from a member of Congress on the dignity, on the honor of our Customs and Border Patrol and ICE officers. These are federal law enforcement employees who are doing a very important job But Ocasio-Cortez would rather get fancy editorials written about her by the New York Times and rather have the MSNBC and CNN crowd thinking that she's some kind of hero for this. She complains about the conditions at the border. She blames law enforcement for doing everything that they can to keep those in their custody safe. They are in custody Because we have a process and because they are breaking the law. That's right. When they cross into America, not at a port of entry, they are breaking the law. Now, what is the alternative here? Those who say the Democratic Party is not an open borders party have to start answering this question. What are we supposed to do? You now have a mass Immigration invasion of people who are scheming, who are actively utilizing loopholes in immigration law to come into the country outside of normal immigration channels. And then they're just going to not show up at their hearing and stay in the country illegally for as long as they want. And they know the Democrats are already saying they should get health care. How long before you think the Democrats are going to say they should be citizens? They should be allowed to vote. We all know what that transaction is going to look like. The Democrats ignore uh, ignore our immigration laws and the people that benefited from that nullification, that cynical, lawless decision by Democrats to pretend that there's not a law in the books that says you can't come into the country illegally. That if you are in the country illegally, you can be deported. It doesn't matter to them, does it? If they get the votes, if they get the power, it was all worth it all along. It doesn't matter what it does to the country. We are seeing a mass assault on American sovereignty. We are seeing that play out before our eyes. That's what this is. And if the Democrats are really going to continue to say that what's going on at the border is close to or similar to or is a a concentration camp situation, then I would prefer they explain, what are we supposed to do? If the country is really going to be one in which you can just... By the way, there's no other country in the world that does this. No one else does this. No one else has a situation where if you show up with a child... It is the fault of that country if they don't take you in, feed you, clothe you, give you health care, and let you stay in the country forever. Not a single other country on earth does this. Not one. We have, year in, year out, a million legal immigrants joining the American family. And we're still, we're still told, by the left, by these lawless, progressive activists. I mean, that's really what Ocasio-Cortez is. He's a community organizer. You know, just, just out there rabble-rousing, saying horrible things about Border Patrol. And now they're going to find someone somewhere who wrote something on Facebook that was you know, disgusting about Ocasio-Cortez, as if that's representative of the tens of thousands of people who work for Border Patrol, who are doing a tough job day in and day out. But this is the classic media tactic, you know, they, when it when it suits their narrative to say that police are racist murderers, which it did suit the media's narrative under the Obama administration to suggest that cops were, by and large, racist murderers in America. And then they'd find some cop who, oh, he, you know, he, here, there, there's a cop in, the, in this one place who, said, who wrote this racist text or said this racist thing. So as if that then means that all cops are bad, all cops are racist. You're going to do the same thing now with Border Patrol. And Ocasio-Cortez is down there. She has no solutions. She doesn't believe in enforcement. And if the press was honest, they would ask her, who gets deported? Should we have immigration laws? Do these people get deported when it's clear that they were lying about the violence that they're fleeing? If just being Honduran means that you're in threat, you're under threat because Honduras is is a country in a crappy situation, then does the whole country get to come here? Do we have to do we have to just bring all of Honduras into America? You know, they're not going to live across the street from Nancy Pelosi. They're not going to live across the street from Ocasio-Cortez. I can tell you that. It's going to be someone else's problem, but the Ocasio-Cortezes of the world, the Democrats, get to feel like they're so brave and strong and stand tall here and, and browbeat the rest of us, harangue the rest of America that says, hold on a second, we have immigration laws for a reason. The American state makes certain claims on us. And if you can just come here and not obey the state because there are people within our government who benefit politically from that flouting of the law then we got a problem i do think we're, we're entering a, we're entering a phase here in america where people are going to start to say why why should i pay my taxes that, what are you going to separate a family you're going to separate my family if i don't pay my taxes that's a horrible thing to do you're going to put me in a cell in a cage because i won't pay my taxes who have i hurt by not paying my taxes it's a horrible thing they'd be doing if they put me in prison for that saying that people are locked up in pens here, they've done nothing wrong. Uh, They have decided to be there because they know the system is overwhelmed. They know that we can't handle this process anymore. The Democrats have created this fire. They've created this conflagration. And now they turn around and say, oh, my gosh, why aren't you doing more to deal with it? They could make this stop tomorrow. They have fought at every turn. The Ocasio-Cortezes of the world have made it next to impossible for the Trump administration to shut this down. They don't want it to stop, and we all know it. So can they just stop being such phonies? There's so much dishonesty here. And if we had an honest media, they'd be hammering it, but we don't. We don't. And then then you have the specific claims here. What are some of the things that AOC, who, what, what does this really tell you? That you have this disgraceful imbecile who is the most powerful, most famous Democrat on the scene right now, who is a total ignoramus, knows nothing about nothing, just blathers on like an imbecile on a regular basis about things is not well-read, is not knowledgeable, does not have life experience to draw upon that allows her to have the wisdom to be a real leader. It's the most powerful Democrat in the country. Because now to to be a powerful Democrat, you just need a a personal narrative. You need a personal narrative of, of diversity and oppression and a big social media following. That's all you need. If you have those things, everything else falls in place for you. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be ethical. You don't have to be honest. Just a lot of Twitter followers and check off some boxes in the diversity, on the diversity list and have all the MSNBC talking points lined up. And you are unstoppable on the left. You are a force to be reckoned with now. What does that say about this country and where we're heading? Here's what she says about what is uh, happening at... Customs and Border Patrol facilities. Uh, this is after there was a congressional tour of these facilities. Here is her. Here is part of her claim. Place six.
0: Can you say it again in English, please? There's abuse in, this, in these facilities. There's abuse. This was them on their best behavior, and they put them in a room with no running water, and... These women were being told by CBP officers to drink out of the toilet. They were drinking water out of the toilet, and that was them knowing what a congressional visit was coming. That was this is CBP on their best behavior, telling people to drink out of the toilet.
2: Did you
1: see somebody
0: actually
1: do that? I'm sorry, She's either a moron or a liar or both. I think you're all saying both and you're you're right. I do not believe her. Let me be very clear. I do not believe what she is saying is true. She's lying. No one has told people who are in CBP custody to drink out of a toilet. Now it's come out that there are these these you know metal combination toiletry facility Units that have a sink up top and below is a basin for r- relieving oneself, just like, by the way, in holding facilities in prisons across this country. You know, and, and not everybody who is being held in any facility is a terrible, you know, there, there are people who are being held in places who didn't do a whole lot of bad stuff and they're just being held there for a little bit. We did not know that we were going to have all the women and children of Central America showing up at our southern border and saying, feed me, clothe me, take me in or else, which is what's happening right now. That is not what Customs and Border Patrol were set up for. They're not staffed for this. And now this is just demagoguery. This is just grandstanding on the issue. This could have been stopped months ago. Oh, you mean when Democrats said it wasn't even a crisis? The numbers said otherwise. I knew it was a crisis. Why did I know, but AOC didn't know, in December, in January, this was a crisis? Why did I know, but all the Democrats couldn't figure out that these caravans were just the beginning, that there would be a massive inflow, and that if the Democrats refused to change the law on asylum and the way that it's really the way that asylum laws are interpreted, it's not even really asylum law per se, that this problem would just get worse. If you want this to stop, you have to enforce the law and turn off the incentives. Democrats say, oh, my gosh, look what's happening at the border. It's terrible. And we say, OK, let's turn off the incentives. Let's enforce the law. And they say, whoa, you can't do that. We, we want people to really want to come here and we want to give them free health care. And we want it doesn't, doesn't matter if they're not supposed to stay. It doesn't matter if they don't show up for their hearings or if they lie about fleeing violence or if they're using children as pawns in this whole process, which they are. What are we to make of the Central American parents who are having their kids transferred by drug cartels to the border? Are, are, we, allowed to, are we allowed to criticize that? See, that's, that's a, they're enriching the largest transnational criminal organization in the world. That's one part of it that I think is problematic. They're putting their kids in terrible jeopardy. And then if they show up at the border and one of them has a fever and we don't get them to the emergency room fast enough, then America's the problem. But ultimately, what AOC has done here is to slander people who are doing a very tough job at our border, who are not paid very much money, who do not get a lot of praise, who are not treated very well in our culture these days. And she's doing it because she wants to pander to the whiny, childish left wing base that cannot handle the reality, which is that we cannot have an open border and still have a country. This is now becoming a truly existential issue for America. If we don't stop this, if we just allow anyone to show up and if they have a child with them, they get to stay here forever, then we no longer really have an immigration system. And you have to ask the question, do we really even have a country at that point? Do we have real sovereignty? How can we even determine what governance should look like if we can't determine who is here and who is not and who gets counted as a citizen, who gets counted to vote, never mind the census, and who does not. For those that say, oh, this is about being, it's about being humane, it's about being kind, no other country on earth does this. Nobody else. Nobody else has a country that refuses to assert control over who comes in and who doesn't. But we're supposed to do this. Why? Well, you know, Democrats increasingly find themselves making arguments that the American people reject. And I think that now that we've entered a period where the media, well, social media has allowed them to continue to skew things in their favor, but the media doesn't have quite the same ability to rewrite history day to day as it used to in favor of the Democrats so what are they doing? Instead of winning over the American people, winning over the electorate, they're changing the electorate. Don't convince voters that your left-wing agenda, that your, your socialism and your redistribution of wealth and your massive government takeover of all things is a good idea. Just bring in people who are going to say, okay, sure, whatever you want. Thanks for letting me sneak into the country. That's what we face right now, an AOC defaming Border Patrol by saying they told women to drink out of toilets. You know, these are the same Democrats, the same Democratic Party that pretends if you say anything about James Comey or the FBI, you're a terrible person undermining our democracy. Oh, so the FBI leadership can't be criticized for wildly inappropriate political behavior. But Border Patrol can be treated like they're a bunch of Nazis. I don't think so. Not on my watch. We'll be right back. Team, I'm not done taking uh, Ocasio-Cortez and the Democrats to task for their open borders plot and for their undermining of Customs and Border Patrol, their their slander of the men and women who are doing that job, all in an effort to just continue this destruction of rule of law at our southern border. But I just wanted to tell you that there's uh, some breaking news that happened right as I was on air here. Uh, Eddie Gallagher who was the Navy SEAL accused of stabbing a 15-year-old ISIS fighter to death in 2017. He faced, uh, uh, Eddie Gallagher faced very serious criminal charges, including premeditated, premeditated murder, endangering a firearm to uh, endanger, or rather discharging a firearm to endanger human life. Uh, he was found not guilty, not guilty on all major charges, the only charge out of the seven that he was found guilty on was for posing with uh, posing for a photo with a casualty. And that uh, that carries a maximum sentence of four months. So not a total exoneration of Eddie Gallagher, but he is out of serious criminal jeopardy and not guilty of murder, not guilty of attempted murder charges. That's a, it's a big, big day for, uh, This Navy SEAL Eddie Gallagher, that's for sure. We'll come back to AOC and the border though in just a moment.
2: We don't treat people that way. We provide fresh water, we provide food, um, we provide sanitary and and sanitary items as well as uh, um, items for bathing and personal hygiene.
1: I can tell you with the utmost confidence that uh, the migrants, uh, anyone and everyone uh, in our custody at all of our facilities have ready access to fresh water. They have access to consumables. I've never heard in 26 years of being in this business, ever heard of uh, that type of allegation being made. So someone's lying. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Someone's lying here. Do you think that... Career Border Patrol senior officers are lying about this? Or is AOC, member of Congress for all of six months, left-wing, radical, imbecile, is she lying about this? Someone's not telling the truth. It's not possible for, for both sides to have this right. Either these facilities are inhumane and horrible and terrible and women don't have water to drink and they're being told to drink out of toilets. Or... There is a completely reckless and shameless, shameless politicization of this crisis that Democrats are engaged in. I mean, I think we all know what the real answer is here, but it's important that we not let the left escape with the lies intact. It's not just AOC, keep in mind. She's the most prominent. She's the best known here. But you have Judy Chu who is a California congresswoman, and she also went down to the CBP facility. And here's what she said, Plane 9.
2: I will never forget the image of being in a cell and seeing 15 women, tears coming down their faces as they talked about being separated from their children, about having no running water, and about not being able to know when they were going to get out.
1: This is what the Democrats are doing. It's, just, it's all about you know, t- teary eyes and, and sadness and, and the, the atrocities that the U.S. government is committing on the southern border. Meanwhile, they sometimes will slip into a news story about what's happening now, a photo from the Obama era of people being held in detention facilities, and that didn't cause quite the same outrage, did it? Just like the anti-war movement all of a sudden become so much more robust, so much more brave and widespread during a Republican administration, then all of a sudden during a Democrat presidency, no matter what degree of warmongering, no matter how many lives are lost because a Democrat president doesn't want to look weak, you know, whatever domestic political considerations have to be taken into account, that will all be excused at some level by the anti-war left, or at least they'll they'll be a little quiet about it. They won't really be around so much. You won't hear from them. You won't see them, as we all know from the Obama years. The anti-war left seems much more concerned with the left being in charge than people not fighting wars. And the anti-detention facility Democrats care a whole lot more about what's going on while Trump is trying to handle this crisis than they ever did when it started under the Obama administration. This is a continuation of a problem that first came up during the Obama presidency and that was never handled adequately then and that Democrats have let fester and only get worse and now it has landed on Trump's lap. You would think that given the way they talk about this, the way that Democrats like AOC discuss what's going on at the border, And her very posed and obvious photographs of her in terrible tears. By the way, I've seen the detention facility down in El Paso. Is it nice? No, it is not nice. Is it comfortable? No, it is not comfortable. Do I feel badly for the young children who are being put in a position where they're being held in fenced-in areas and don't have a whole lot to keep them occupied or comfortable? Yeah, of course. But their parents are choosing to bring them into these situations and into these conditions. They don't arrive here thinking that it's going to be a trip to Chuck E. Cheese. They understand. They've all been told. The word is out. They know what's happening. No one's rounding up El Salvadoran and Honduran and Guatemalan migrants and bring them into these facilities on their own. They are showing up and turning themselves in. You know, if it were so horrible, don't you think? If the conditions were so unthinkable... Wouldn't there be a drop in people doing this? No, of course, of course, we don't see a drop. We, we see b- bigger and bigger numbers all the time. I've, I've never seen such eagerness at any point in human history for people to willingly on their own seek out so-called concentration camps, as AOC calls them to get to them as fast as they can, to pay thousands of dollars to illegal criminal organizations, to put them in, as AOC says, concentration camps. And then there's what can be done about it. Democrats talk about this like it's an atrocity. They use words like atrocity. They use words like concentration camp. Perhaps if the facilities had more funding, more resources, there would be at least a greater degree of comfort afforded those who are scamming our immigration laws. Let's not forget that. This is the whole point of what's going on here. The word is out. They know it. The Democrats won't allow the loophole to be closed, so as many people as possible are running through this loophole while they can. Over at CNN, AOC was doing the usual about how horrible everything is at the border, and then a question that is so obvious and so clear that you guess that they they had to ask it. And I know this is, oh, you know, Jake Tapper, he asked a real question. Yeah, he asks one real question a month of a Democrat, and everyone then excuses all the Democrat propaganda he engages in all the time. Uh, it's not. A, this isn't a hard question. This is an obvious question. But she's raging on about the CBP facilities. And then then it should be asked, okay, well, why did you delay getting more federal funding to these facilities? Because she did. Place seven. Three billion of the four point six billion is going to housing for kids, for migrant kids. I think another eight hundred thousand or so going to housing for for other undocumented immigrants, adults. By by opposing both bills, Mm -hmm. aren't you just ultimately depriving these kids of housing facilities that they need.
0: Well, when you look at both of how both of these bills happened, uh Jake, I think it's important that we have members of Congress that stand up and actually call truth to the situation. The House bill passed resoundingly. There were only 4 Democrats that defected including myself from that bill. And the reason I defected is because I needed to send a message to my constituents and my folks back home and in fact, my constituents asked me to vote no on the bill.
1: Oh so she votes no on a measure to get funding to help the kids at the border cuz she wants to she wants to make a point. Well, the point is what? That she doesn't want them to have more resources and and more more comfort when they're in this process? Well, what exactly this, this is what she just admitted to is the definition of political grandstanding. Voting against something that she by her own admission should vote for? Because she wants to pander to the left-wing imbeciles in her district. What else do you have to know about her, folks? What else does she have to admit before it's clear what's really going on here? Oh, she cares so much about these kids at the border. I mean, think of, they talk about family separation all the time. We have people in this country, there's family separation for you know, for, a, for a few million of our fellow Americans who are in prison. And they broke the law, and in many cases they broke laws that, if anything, just upset the government. I don't see that, you know, the Democrats don't need nearly as many tears for that. In fact, they took the Trump administration to come along and try to do some prison reform. But I digress. Back to what's going on here at the border. The, the, the reality is going to set in here pretty soon that Democrats are never going to change from this position of, de facto open borders. This is now who they are. This is what their party is. That's why you had so many Democrats in that second debate, every single Democrat in that second debate, standing on stage saying that they want health care for illegal aliens. And now they're trying to say that illegal aliens pay for it. Does anyone tell you that you get free health care because you pay sales tax when you go buy a candy bar? I don't think so. But that's more or less the argument that's being made for illegal aliens now, yeah, they should get health care because, you know, they pay a lot in taxes. Uh, I I don't think the 10% sales tax or 5% sales tax or whatever it is in your state for most items and goods is enough to cover full-spectrum health insurance for illegal aliens. I'm pretty sure about that one. I also know that most of the illegal aliens in the country don't make enough money to pay federal income taxes, so if anything they would be getting a kind of rebate check from the government. But we are told, "Oh no, this will be a net financial positive for us." Folks, they lie and lie and lie. They will not stop. There's no way for the Democrats to turn back now, but the future of the country is really at stake here. Are we going to have a sovereign nation or not? Do we have immigration laws or not? President Trump needs to be out, needs to be out there making this case as loudly and clearly as he possibly can because we are now at the, we are now in the crisis zone as a nation do we have an open border if we do then we need to understand what the future is going to look like and it's not good my friends and democrats have brought this upon us shamelessly intentionally it's a disgrace We'll be right back.
2: This was one of the
1: worst few days in American foreign policy and American diplomatic history. Why? In a long time. It's reality show, foreign policy. He wants that photo op. He wants that little hit. He has no strategic, long-range sense of where to go, what to do. And if anyone thinks this doesn't hurt America in the short term, in the long run, they're sadly mistaken. He's made
2: very clear. He's made very clear to, to Chairman Kim himself. Sanctions will continue on your country. He's been very clear and very transparent and very public with the press right there every single time to see what's happening in his conversations with Chairman Kim. And he also says if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out.
1: I, I'm going to return to the issue of North Korea later on the show. I just wanted to spend a few minutes on it now because uh, I, I think that the the echo chamber effect with the, uh, the lib media is particularly pernicious on this last visit. There you had Chuck Schumer, who is a... A really slimy and dishonest guy, and and it's it's really to the uh, everlasting shame of my home state of New York that we keep putting this guy in the United States Senate. But I guess a, maybe he's I mean he's better than he's better than Gillibrand. So there's that. That's not saying much. But that this is this is a the one of the worst days in U.S. foreign policy history. How could he say that? After all the stuff that we saw in the Obama years, after all of the the uh, the wars that have been fought post 9-11, that and, and the, the way that we've gone around the Middle East, Libya and, and in Syria and been completely inept in preventing conflict or involving ourselves in conflict in ways where we can't direct things. And this is the worst day who died because of what Trump did at the DMZ. I can't think of anyone. What great loss occurred to the United States because of Trump meeting with Kim Jong-un? This is just a talking point. What is the loss? You know, Schumer says, if you you don't think this is a loss for America, you're mistaken. Okay, why? Where is the downside? Oh, because he's going to look bigger on the world stage? Kim Jong-un is going to look like someone that, he's already the leader of a nuclear state. It's a horrible country with all kinds of terrible problems we're all aware of that. But no one the, no one sees what's going on here and comes away saying, "Wow, Kim Jong Un's actually a great guy. They they understand what's happening." At least the the people who who are paying attention, which I think is much smaller. Where's the big where's the big loss, Chuck? Schumer should have to answer that. So so what? The president talked to Kim Jong Un and then what happened? One of the worst days in foreign policy history. You know Chuck Schumer; he'll just say anything, and the, the guy is ethically and and you know morally an embarrassment because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what results from the words that he says. It doesn't matter how detached it is from what's actually happened. As long as it serves the Democrat agenda, as long as it gives the left something to attack the right with, he'll he'll, he'll go for it. But I haven't heard Chuck Schumer say anything that I agreed with in a very, very long time, which is pretty hard, considering that the guys out there on the media on the media circuit constantly, and we'll come back to uh, to this North Korea issue, but I, I'm just amazed to see how many people repeat oh it's, it's a photo up and it's terrible, it's horrible. You know, when are they going to learn? They can't keep saying that everything Trump does is the worst thing ever. Because when everything is the worst thing ever, nothing's bad at all, really. We, we figured out the game here. The exaggeration, whether it's on what's going on at the border, whether it's on North Korea, whether, it, you know, anything, anything that Trump is doing as president as the worst thing that has ever happened to anyone ever. This is a lie. We understand that this is a lie. And they do this. Because unfortunately, there are a lot of very emotionally fragile and overwrought people in the Democratic Party base on the left. So by feeding them this constant narrative of, oh my gosh, these terrible things are happening and Trump is the worst, they manage to keep people on their side, fired up and engaged in politics, and it's just so easy. It's manipulation. They're manipulating the people of their base because they're easy. They're easy to manipulate. All you have to do is say that Trump is the worst thing ever and he's doing terrible things and he's destroying the country and they'll all shake their heads up and down in agreement and keep voting for the Chuck Schumers of the world. And we got more on North Korea coming up. I do want to talk to you about uh, two bits of information, two things uh, that, that broke today. One is that the left is, is pretty much, I mean, the Democrats are, are pretty openly, not pro-American in a lot of ways that's that's one thing that some new gallup numbers will will address for us we can talk about that and then what is offensive in american history i mean what what is now something that is considered based on the judgments that we're supposed to use today based on how the left uh, has framed this narrative around all these different events you know when are we going to see the expansion of oh christopher columbus statues have to come down into american the american flag or a version of the american flag is a problem colin kaepernick let us know this today nike is involved this is going to be a big one we'll get to that in a moment do democrats love america as much as republicans do that's a question that oh in the press they say how dare you oh of course democrats love america's really it seems that they're much quicker to criticize, to dump on, to undermine America than Republicans are. It's much more likely, when you talk to somebody who's a Democrat and you ask them about American history, if you're going to get a very negative view, it's much more likely it'll come from a Democrat than from a Republican. That's just anecdotal. You probably just know this from your own conversations with people, and you've seen this yourself. And that there is a an association between... Being a Republican and having a particularly high degree of pride in America, there, there is a correlation. There's something to this. We're not, we're not imagining this. This is real. Well, turns out the numbers back this up. We have a Gallup poll out here about Americans. This, we're heading into the 4th of July. We're talking about American pride or pride in America, and you have a decrease in in pride to be American since the uh, years after 9-11. There's been something of a decline. But Democrats specifically uh, just have a very hard time really thinking America's great. So we we aren't imagining this. I mean, by the numbers, based on the polling, Democrats don't love America as much as we do. Or they don't think it's as great as we do. You know, maybe, maybe they think that the way they show their love and affection for this country is to put it down and say it's terrible but think about a relationship in your own life where that's happening and I think you know that how you treat a thing or how you think of a person is a very important part of whether or not you care about that thing uh, or that person. Democrats only have, according to Gallup here, that's just these numbers just came out today, 22% of them have extreme pride in this country. And when you look at how many of them have very little pride, or not at all, Democrats, 33% of them are moderately proud to be American, 11% are only a little proud to be American, and 5% are not at all proud to be American. Folks, that means that for Democrats just shy of half, 49% are either meh, Or, oh, my gosh, America is terrible. Doesn't that back up what you've always thought about Democrats and the left and their view of this country? And shouldn't that also influence how we think about their approach to this country and and to governance in this country? Shouldn't it matter that they think this place stinks? Shouldn't we take that into account when we talk to them about what we should do going forward? Maybe now we understand better why when Barack Obama promised a fundamental transformation of America, the left cheered wildly. That's what they want, a a transformation. You wouldn't want to fundamentally transform something that was great and fantastic and wonderful. No, you fundamentally transform something that is decrepit and bad and corrupt and evil. Well, I don't want the people who think America is decrepit and corrupt and evil in charge. I don't think that makes me a bad guy. I think that makes me someone who's paying attention and then you have this editorial piece is a video editorial the new york times which is just in a just a an editorial atrocity a continuing editorial atrocity day in and day out We you know the new york times is is a fundamentally anti-american paper I mean, it, it takes an it doesn't take an oppositional view to power it takes an oppositional view to america but here's some of this editorial that was published just yesterday in the new york times please stop telling me america is great was the title no surprise that this is from a lib play clip 22
2: don't let anyone ever tell you that this country isn't great
1: Greatest country
2: God ever gave me. You're the greatest country in the world, I'll tell you that. America's the greatest country in the world. But what if we did
1: question it? Only 56% of Americans turn out to vote, while it's closer to 80% in countries like Denmark and Australia. And it's getting worse. This year, America slid on global rankings of corruption and freedom and dropped from a functional to a flawed democracy. We got so caught up in the rhetoric about America being the greatest country on Earth that we've long ignored the cracks in our system. And while a bit of patriotism is great, jingoism is dangerous. Especially when it's built on old or fake news. So as we gear up for another election season where politicians tell us America is great or that it isn't and then proceed to make it worse, let's try a more truthful approach. America may once have been the greatest, but today America We're just okay. America, we're just okay. This is what a lot of libs think about America. I I mean, I would offer to you, I I would argue, a majority of libs think this about it. It's just okay. And about 20 to 30% of libs think America stinks. They don't want to leave here, though. They want to be in charge. They want to pillage and plunder what has been created by better men for the last couple of hundred years. They want control of the system that has created more prosperity, not just for America, but for all of the people of the world. That's right. America has been an economic and innovation engine for the globe. It is because of America that we now live in this world of technological wonders. It is because of America that the blue oceans and because of our blue water navy people can actually trade freely on the high seas and and not be unduly worried about piracy and about um, predatory actions from rogue governments. You know, it's because of America that most countries don't worry about their neighbors invading them. You know, this, this this is a real thing. That the rest of the world sleeps more soundly at night whether they accept it or not because of America. And yet, Libs think that they're clever because, oh, more, a higher percentage of people vote in Australia than, than voted. Amer- what is who even I want fewer people to vote here. I want all libs to stop voting. That would make, you want to make this country great. Libs, stop voting. That would really help. That would put us in a much better position. And these stuff about corruption indexes and, oh, of course, you know, Trump's in office. So we, we must be more corrupt. And we our, our democracy is more flawed and all this stuff. Just just this is just blather just blather i i do think that at at the core of contemporary american liberalism is an ingratitude libs are ingrates they do not appreciate this country the way they should and as as i'm as i'm fond of saying there are people that derive a sense of pride from being american and then there are those who derive pride from thinking they are better than america And that is the lib mentality. That is how the left views themselves. They think they are better than this country, and that's why they should be in charge, because only they can fix it. I just wish they were more in touch with reality so they could be grateful, because that would be a much better emotion for them to feel. Nike is pulling this USA-themed sneaker from store shelves after Colin Kaepernick reportedly complained about its design. The sneaker featured an early version of the American flag created during the American Revolution. It's referred to as the Betsy Ross flag. According to the Wall Street Journal, the former NFL player turned activist reached out to Nike when photos of the shoe were posted online, saying he and others felt the Betsy Ross flag is an offensive symbol because of its connection to an era of slavery. I just want to know... First of all, when did Colin Kaepernick take the reins at Nike? When when did he start running Nike? That's that's a that's a really a, astonishing situation we've got here. Here we have one of the most iconic sports brands in the world. Let's just let's just uh, get that out of the way. It's true. One of the largest apparel, sports apparel companies in the world, maybe the largest, named for the Greek god of victory, Nike, was going to celebrate Fourth of July with this sneaker that was a, a new edition of the Air Max One Quick Strike, and it was going to have an American flag on it, but it was going to have the thirteen-star version of the American flag that is from the Revolutionary War period. It was made by the seamstress Betsy Ross in Philadelphia way back in the day. But now, Kaepernick is saying, Colin Kaepernick, who Nike has made a a spokesperson because, you know, wokeness sells, Nike seems to think. Kaepernick said it's offensive, and so Nike pulled it. he's now a social justice activist. I mean, I give Kaepernick some credit in in that, you know, he was a washed up football player, and now he's managed to create this whole other persona, this whole second act where he gets to be the the, the conscience of major multinational corporations on wokeness and social justice issues. Uh, He, of course, is best known for being the guy that started kneeling during the national anthem. And he said that it was not, you will recall, it was not a protest of the flag. I think that's a pretty tough case for him to continue to make, my friend. Seems like Colin does have an issue with the flag after all. He doesn't like the American flag when it had 13 stars. I think it's pretty safe to say he doesn't like the American flag when it has 50 on it. He does not view this country favorably. He has big problems. Now, he's allowed to. I'm not saying that, you know, he doesn't have a First Amendment right. And I hate that we always have to say, oh, I'm not saying he can't say it. Of course, he's allowed to criticize his country. He can say America is a garbage country. I think he does believe at some level that America is not a good country, um, which is why he has so little problem being offensive about America, refusing to show respect to America. I mean, this is... This is something that somebody would only do if they had a truly negative outlook on this country. Uh, But I've got I've got problems with this on a number of levels. One, we're going to have to start on. Unfortunately, we have no choice. We're going to have to start enforcing our own version of boycotts and and uh, economic pressure against corporate America, because right now corporate America is running scared from the left all the time the left can make corporate america do whatever it wants whenever it wants there's no backbone there's no pushback it's just if if they fear some bad publicity if they if they fear some kind of oh it's there's something racist or something sexist or not respectful enough of indigenous peoples or whatever it is american corporations run scared from that now and they they will be dictated to without so much as a peep of protest of their own they'll be dictated to by people who are often honestly fraudsters con artists grifters coming up with grievance after grievance one after another of you know why they're unhappy about this or why they're unhappy about that and then that that takes me just to this if if the flag uh, if the Betsy Ross flag is racist what else is racist isn't the united states of america racist i mean the name itself isn't washington named for our first president and one of the founding fathers isn't that racist cuz he owned slaves what what is not racist from our history In in that period, if the Betsy Ross flag is considered racist, you know, I I can understand why people have the feelings they do about the the the, uh, about other flags. Obviously, the Confederate flag has come under a lot of a lot of scrutiny and people have a very, very intense debates over this. But that's I I can see the the argument that that is why that is bothersome to people. I can understand that. The Betsy Ross flag is just about America. So if you say that the Betsy Ross flag is racist, what you're saying is that America, anything from that period can be deemed racist. But if we're going to do this thing where we judge everything from a couple of hundred years ago by how we view everything today, then I also want to know when we get an apology from the indigenous peoples of North and, and central america who engaged in murder of uh, of of neighboring tribes men women and children you know just you, you learn a little bit about the comanche nation for example and what they did to other tribes and the way that they conducted warfare and you say wow turns out that they were not just this this peaceful bunch you learn about the aztecs with their human sacrifice uh you find out about the the arawak indians in the caribbean with cannibalism and you, you wonder when does anyone else have to come to grips with this you find out more about the islamic slave trade of white christians by the way that went on for a couple hundred years people uh, w- men and, and women being seized on the high seas well into the 19th the early 19th century uh, do we ever get an apology from the Turks for that? I mean, I just wonder, you know, where, does, where does this stop and start? What are the outer limits of what is uh, offensive here and what is not? I mean, I, I think that Nike has made a, a huge error here, not just because I think that this is a stupid argument and they're wrong, but now people are going to start to think that that Nike is, you know, wokeness.com, that the social justice left is running this this company, and that's a shame because it really should just be an apparel company. You know, there are some things where you can criticize a company, and, and I think that it's very acceptable, meaning the way a company treats its employees, you know, the, the way it, it treats its customers. You know, these are areas where we should all be paying attention. Uh, but whether or not a company is willing to placate the social justice left, which which we all know will never be satisfied. It is, it is not possible as far as the left is concerned for there to be enough penance, for there to be enough done to make up for the sins of the past in this country. So why do we even try? What's really the point of it? I mean, Colin Kaepernick, is, he's also a phony, my friends. He's a phony, right? He wore socks with police pigs on them and then pretend that he was an anti-cop and then he said he was an anti-flag but turns out he doesn't like flags that have an association with this country that's just a fact now so the left can run cover firm as much as they want i mean this guy has profited off of division and anti-americanism and now nike has made common cause with him and i think that nike should suffer the consequences i think it's time that we just we have to i think we have to start fighting fire with fire and say enough is enough If you're going to make common cause against America and against a majority of the American people by making these political statements as a company, then you're going to have to pay the price. And the price is not just going to be a couple of bad days press. It's going to have to be a a hit to the bottom line that's going to really get the attention of a company like Nike. That's where this is going to have to go. That's what I see happening next year. I, I just don't think we can continue To ignore what has happened in America, and it's really occurred in the last ten years or so. I mean, it's gone to a new level in the last ten years, where companies are being are just being dictated to by far left, uh, by far left ideology. You know, the, the culture, the corporate culture, has been overrun by the hard left. And this, is a, this is a frightening thing for America. Over the weekend, our friend Andy No from Quillette was viciously attacked by uh, Antifa. And he had a brain hemorrhage. Uh, they, they assaulted him. And, and the only thing that he did was be present at an Antifa uh, you know, counter-rally or whatever they're calling it, essentially a riot on the streets, showing who, what these people do, who they are, and they are truly cowards. They cover their faces. They, they try to hide in the crowd. They only strike out at people when they, when they are in numbers. They only attack people when they have people outnumbered and cornered, including Andy Ngo, who is, as I have been saying to you, a very uh, unimposing guy. He's, he's not large. He's not somebody that is going to be easily able to defend himself against physical assault. Well, now Andy has described exactly what happened to him. Play 17. A mob of people,
0: all dressed in black and wearing masks, started beating me with their fists, and some of them used objects to hit me. I don't know how many people were involved. It seemed like 5, 10, 15, or 20. It could have been that many. Um, They beat me so much that I lost control of my GoPro camera that I was holding which was then stolen from me and when I thought it was over I was wrong Um, I put my arms up to try to shield my face as well as to signal to them that I was surrendering and that I uh, wasn't there to fight but that really signaled to them to be more aggressive so then they started dumping what I believe were milkshakes and eggs, throwing it at my face, which blinded me so I couldn't see. And I was kicked some more, punched some more. And all this time I kept thinking, where are the police? I could still see the Monoma County Justice Center in front of me, but no police ever arrived.
1: Where were the police in Portland? It's a very important question to ask. Why did the mayor of Portland not have the police take action? Wasn't hard to find these Antifa thugs. Wasn't hard to see what was going on. They were clearly a menace, a threat to public safety and order, engaged in gang assault against Andy No. But here's the truth Portland's a very liberal city, and leftists don't want police tackling. Other leftists on the streets, doesn't matter how out of line they are, doesn't matter what they do, the left does not want to see the law used against other leftists. Well, that leads to anarchy in the streets pretty quickly, doesn't it? When the people who are entrusted with maintaining public order, with enforcing the laws, with protecting public safety, when they are unwilling to do those jobs... What what do we have left? What are we all supposed to do then? It's terrible what happened to Andy. Uh, it's a it's a disgrace that these these people act like such barbarians, you know, attacking a kid who was defenseless too. Who who kicks a defenseless person? You really have to think about this for a moment. I'd be willing to bet that not a single person listening to this radio show would ever have it in his or her mind that when someone is utterly defenseless and has done nothing against them, they would ever lay a hand on that person. What kind of disgrace to humanity would do that? These are all leftists. You know, We always hear about how, oh, Trump, and he's pulling the country apart, and he said something mean at a rally, or he made fun of Jim Acosta, all this stuff. These, th- This is a cohesive political philosophy, Antifa, there's a book, the Anti-Fascist Handbook. I actually have it. I have read it. They are at least sympathized. Uh, they get a lot of sympathy from Democrats and from the left. For a while, it really was becoming mainstream, this concept of Nazi punching, although they're not really punching, not punching Nazis. They're punching people like Andy No, who are just showing the country and showing the world what Antifa is really all about. Do you think there are going to be efforts by the main journalistic outfits in the country to try and track down all the different organizers of Antifa? Are they going to be doxed? Are they going to be punished by the Internet sleuths of the social justice movements who often find individuals and try to ruin them and, and make, a, make a, a complete mess of their lives for offenses far less than what we're talking about here? These individuals in Antifa broke real laws, engaged in violence, really hurt people. They didn't just say the wrong thing or do something that is distasteful. I have a feeling we all know what the answer is, though. No, they will not. There will not be an effort by CNN to track down Antifa. We've played audio for you here on the show. CNN hosts who are multimillionaires in their own right live in doorman, fancy buildings, don't have to worry about anything. Don't have to worry about their personal security or safety. They don't come to Andy No's aid. They're not. They're not willing to say that the left has a problem with emotionalized ideas and hyperbolic rhetoric that leads to violence. But that's the truth. The left does have a problem with those things. And this is much more commonplace. This is much more real on the left than it is on the right. But they. Don't police their own. There were never these movements. You will note that there were never these movements during the Obama years to track down and harass Obama administration officials in their homes. There, there was not some radical right wing. I mean, anybody who says that Antifa is like the Tea Party is a moron. The Tea Party, and you know, I have so many friends who were part of the Tea Party and went to all these Tea Party rallies. It was like a, a group of nice people getting together holding up placards about how we shouldn't spend our, ourselves into oblivion and we should have a limited government by, for, and of the people. That's about it. You know, sometimes they had some flag paraphernalia and maybe a, a little bit of a founding founding father's motif. That's all. They weren't hurting people. They weren't threatening people. They weren't mobbing those they disagree with in the streets and hitting them in the face with bricks. is what they did to Andy. They, there were these reports of Milkshakes that were filled with quick-drying cement, so it it turns into basically a rock inside of the milkshake. You know, it's just a matter of time before one of these Antifa morons kills somebody, and then the left will say, "Oh, but we didn't. You know, this is not representative, and we didn't see this coming." And well, did they do everything they could to make this culturally unacceptable? Remember. You now have the New York Times choosing to publish. It's not just that there's some idiot professor in the UK who says these things. You have the New York Times choosing to publish an editorial calling for the naming and shaming of Border Patrol. And given how incredibly heated that conversation is right now, who knows where that's going to lead? The New York Times gives ink to that whole process and... Where are the editorials about how anyone who's a part of Antifa should be named and shamed? Where are the editorials that are using the New York Times, the Washington Post platform to call out anyone who not just takes part in Antifa, but would even support their ideas, support their tactics? Uh, They they don't exist, do they? You, You don't see this happening. The left has become deeply psychologically and emotionally corrupted. And that's why they're incapable of policing their own, because I really do believe that the left no longer, no longer knows what is right and what is wrong in politics, in discourse, in how to conduct oneself. It's just all about being anti-Trump. Nothing else matters to them.
2: The, the new CNN poll, I want to put it up right now. Uh,
1: you are at an asterisk uh, in the new CNN poll. Um,
2: I guess that means you have room to grow. My question to you is, how much time are you giving yourself to grow? If that doesn't move, when do you get out? Uh, so it's, it's early, uh, as you know, just under 500 days until the next election. But also, what's interesting about that poll is that 57% of the people polled did not watch the debate. That is true. 43% did. The numbers of those who did watch the debate, you know, you didn't win those either. <laughs>
1: This is this is where watching the uh, intramural fighting among the libs gets pretty entertaining sometimes. Here you had you had Swalwell, who is among the the most laughable of all these Democratic candidates. You know, I feel like what's his name Hickenlooper, who has apparently had his campaign implode in the last few days. People are leaving. He's got all these problems. Hickenlooper isn't as crazy as some of these other Democrats. And this guy Delaney from Maryland seems like he's someone you could sit down and have a conversation with and not... And look, I have had a conversation with him. I, I've, I've talked to him before. I interviewed him. He's not crazy. I mean, I think he's wrong about some stuff, uh, probably almost everything, but he's not an insane person when he talks about it. He, he has some connection to reality. Swalwell thinks that he's going to win the presidency by opposing opposing gun violence? You know, in, in embedded in this opposing gun violence talking point is that there are people that don't oppose gun violence. And this is where, you know, the, the left really has a lot of problems. I don't know of anyone who is pro-innocent people getting shot. That, that, that is not a constituency that exists. But instead of engaging... In an honest discussion with the people that disagree with them on guns and on gun control, what the left does is say you're either for or against gun violence, as though that's a position that anybody would really ever want to take would ever have. It's just ridiculous. But this is where this is where we are. You've got Swalwell running around uh, being a, a, a total clown. And I think he's probably even hurting, you know, most people, the conventional wisdom is any member of Congress who can get on these debate stages and raises their profile and it, it just makes them a more, more of a household name and therefore more of a political force. I'm not sure that that's really true when it comes to Swalwell. I, I think that that is, <laughs> that, that's a stretch People are seeing this guy, and they're probably saying to themselves, uh, "Hold on a second here. This dude looks like a total clown when he talks about any of these issues. What would ever make him think that he could run for president?" Let's not forget that he's also a Russia collusion fabulist. He's also a Russia collusion uh, nut, and really was pushing that the president of the United States worked with the Russians to steal uh, to steal the election. So, you know, Swalwell is going to have to be one of the first ones to go here. He, here's where I think this is heading. I think Swalwell's going to he's going to get a lot of pressure from his own side. Other Democrats are going to say, you you got to go. So I think Swalwell's going to be out pretty soon. I think uh, when I say pretty soon, you know, who knows? But in terms of the order, Swalwell's going to have to get out and you're going to have uh, Hickenlooper. He's going to have to drop. Uh, who else is in the mix here for the real? You know, there's Bennett he's going to have to drop. Uh, I, I'm hoping Andrew Yang can stay stay in the mix for a while. because I, I do think having a person in the uh, in the Democrat field who has new ideas and is pushing ideas instead of emotions and feelings and talking points, it makes for a more interesting contest. That's for sure. Oh, Beto. Oh, Beto, so much money for Beto and yet so little support for Beto it makes one wonder what would it take to get this guy to decide that enough is enough and he's no longer going to be in the mix for the presidency. Because he's he here's one thing I can tell you for sure about Beto O'Rourke. He's never gonna be president. And here's something else I can tell you about Beto O'Rourke. He's not even gonna be the Democrat nominee. So what what purpose does he really think he is serving right now other than bringing the country like all around in a circle and we're just going to hold each other's hands and be friends because that's the most important thing the country can do right now, which is just like be friends with each other. Uh, oh, he's also going to tell people that the problems that there's at their southern border are our fault we are the reason for this we are the problem uh we are we, we are the cause of these problems of the southern border here's here some classic beto moments coming your way he's down in wait Mike he was really campaigning in Juarez yeah ma'am why is he campaigning in a foreign country well he was down there telling everybody how bad America is and how you know he's apologizing for all the things that we do wrong I mean, that's not his job. That's Obama's job to go around the world in foreign countries and say how crappy America is. Well, here's what Beto said in Juarez. Play 15. We know that people are literally losing their lives. Uh, We just heard this from the gentleman losing their lives as they're no longer able to cross at ports of entry. They're trying to cross in between ports of entry. We as a country have decided that that's what they will do. We put them in this precarious position. Um, we We have caused this suffering. We also have the opportunity to make this better and to make this right. We, Beto says, have put these migrants at the border in this position. You see, it's our fault, folks. It's always our fault. Doesn't matter what the issue is, Democrats, the left, they will find a way to make this about how America messed up and therefore America owes it to non-Americans, to foreigners, to do more for them. And how do we do things for them? Oh, that's right. We have a government that, at least when the Democrats are in charge, and unfortunately to some degree when Republicans are, will give them stuff, stuff that we pay for, stuff that comes from you and me. Beto says that it's because we won't let them effectively overrun our ports of entry. That's that's how this is uh, all coming together. That's really the problem here. Oh, and Beto also wants you to know that we are the reason that global warming is causing uh, is, is a problem, too. Play 16. We've got to remember that they are fleeing the deadliest countries on the face of the planet today, compounded by drought that was caused not by God, not by Mother Nature, but by us man-made climate change our emissions our excesses our inaction in the face of the facts and the science when it is that deadly and when you're unable to grow your own food to feed yourself you have no choice but to come here everything beto said there is false and he's really not very bright but libs think he's handsome so they give him money
2: the performance mistakes are a huge
1: problem for biden it was one of the more disturbing debate performances i have seen this is not a bug. This is a feature. Yes. He is Bidening in front of our eyes,
0: and this is why he's lost three times before.
1: Oh, wow. You mean the Democrats have figured out that Joe Biden is actually a crappy candidate, and it was ridiculous that he was their frontrunner as long as he was? Oh, my. Maybe they should start listening to the Buck Sexton show. It would be helpful for them to deal in, in reality. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice? If they'd listen to the show. They would know what I've been saying all along. What what level of confidence have I been telling you Biden would not be the nominee? I mean, I've been telling you basically 100% confidence because it's obvious. If he was going to be the nominee, guess what, folks? He would have been the heir apparent in 2016 after being the vice president for eight years. His whole family story thing about how he didn't want to run and it was family issues or whatever. And then his son told him to run and all this stuff. Look, I. I'm sorry, but it, it, it just never really made sense. It never really added up. The truth is that the Democrats put somebody else forward because they know that ultimately Biden is just a a very mediocre swamp creature. That's what he is. That's what, that's what his career has been all about, getting reelected. What does Joe Biden have to do to get reelected? And then you add some other stuff onto it as well. There is a piece in The New Yorker that I doubt many of you read. I read the whole thing today. It's a piece in The New Yorker, one of their staff writers, and this is a classic a classic PR technique on display for everyone to see and, and just experience for themselves, and that is to tell everything in the most favorable way possible, to put everything out there in a narrative that will absolutely lay bare... The weaknesses of an individual, the weaknesses of a possibly could be used for a candidate, a public figure, so that it takes ammunition, so to speak, away from the opposition, the enemy. You beat them to the punch. That's what this is. You beat them to the punch. The New Yorker piece was all about that. It was trying so hard to make sure that there was nothing left that one could say about Hunter Biden. Joe Biden's uh, younger son, Beau Biden, died a, a f- couple of years ago from a brain tumor. It's a very sad situation, uh, but Hunter Biden is the younger son of of Joe Biden, and he's uh, he's got problems. I mean, you read this piece, and he, his personal life is something of a of a disaster. He occasionally just finds himself, whoa, out of nowhere, going and getting crack from uh, homeless people and smoking it. And this is in the piece. I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, he got kicked out of the Navy for cocaine use. He tried to claim that the cocaine might have been slipped into a cigarette that somebody gave him. They weren't going to buy that so he get kicked out of the Navy. He was a lobbyist, and they've always said, oh, but he wasn't leveraging his, you know, he wasn't leveraging his connections with uh, his dad in order to get these lobbying gigs. But that's pretty... I think people find that pretty hard to believe that he just he just happened to be a successful lobbyist making a pretty pretty darn good living, and had nothing to do with the fact that his father was a senator and and had been vice president for eight years. Uh, but this piece that that the New Yorker wrote on Hunter Biden, we should all be so lucky as to have an elite lib publication like the New Yorker try to bend over backwards to rehabilitate or at least soften the damage that our own decisions have done to others and to, and to ourselves. It's like nothing else I've ever seen. I mean, you read this thing, it's worth reading just because they they try so hard. I mean, the piece ends with him essentially being defiant about Trump as though Trump is the reason he's been in and out of rehab a whole bunch of times, as though Trump is the reason that he destroyed his marriage and then later took up with his deceased brother's widow. Uh you know, as as though that somehow is the Republicans' fault or Donald Trump's fault. It's a disturbing piece insofar as you see how the Libs don't really care what the facts are. They'll craft a narrative around them to make it seem like it's not that bad. But they can't manage it. If you if you pay attention and read this piece, you see what's going on here. Uh, Joe Joe Biden has at least one family member who was trying to leverage the fact that his dad's a politician and it's very it's it's gross it's unseemly there's there's real there's ev- evidence of of corruption i mean there's evidence of behavior that you would say at a minimum looks unethical if it if it's not actually legally unethical so you know this is this is why biden is is done i mean there there's so much he has so many liabilities going into this he has a lot of liabilities and he really doesn't have much in the way of upside i mean his only upside was that he was obama's vice president and obama's not even endorsing him so how much of a of a benefit is he really getting from that and so this is this is all the stuff that's now coming out about him and why do you think it's coming out now oh that's right because he's he is expendable to the Democrats. And while there will be some establishment types on the left who still hope that Biden keeps his his frontrunner status, usually because they have either a personal relationship with Biden or his team, or they think that if Biden becomes president, you know, he'll answer their phone calls. And so it becomes an access thing. There are a lot of journalists who want someone else who want somebody who is younger, who wants somebody who is. Uh, going to be more in line with the wokeness of the Democratic Party, this this new woke Democratic Party that we're all constantly uh, dealing with. And that's why you're seeing this stuff come out about him. It's it's not like any of this is really new. It's not like this is hard to figure out or hard to find. I mean, the best example of this, even though I don't think it's really that important, was the sniffing of the, of the l- lady's head and the kissing of the head and all these things that he was doing. This was known. They just didn't make a thing of it because Biden was important to them. But now that's all gone. And that's why the Kamala and, and Booker assault on Biden, they were waiting for this the whole time. They, they, might get, they might get booked for elder abuse if this keeps up because they've just been tearing Biden apart. Uh, and, and I think w- with Cory Booker in particular, he, he's just, it doesn't matter what Biden says he's just going to hammer home this point that Biden is old. I didn't realize he's almost 80. Is he 76? Producer Mike, is that correct? I think I'm right on that. I think Biden's 76. That's old to be president of the United States for possibly eight years. I'm sorry. That's a problem. Um, you know, I think that's that's important for people to, to pay attention to here. I think that's important um, for people who are going to be, uh, you know, making decisions. Are we allowed to discuss this? You know, the same people who in the media have been saying all along that Biden is uh, is fine and it doesn't matter. You know, there are also people that were saying that Trump is insane and has some sort of degenerative mental disease. They just can't tell us what it is. He's 77, folks. Joe Biden is 77 years old, he's not going to be president. We all know this. And that's why, you know, what he said is, you know, when he talked about the hoodie situation, he didn't say anything bad or wrong. Here's what he said. Play three.
2: We got to recognize that kid wearing a hoodie may very well be the next poet laureate and not a gangbanger.
1: So well, what was wrong with saying that he's, he's trying to point out that we shouldn't judge people. We shouldn't judge young African-American men by their by their clothing choice or specifically by wearing a hoodie. And Cory Booker took issue with it as as though he said something bad or said something wrong. And this is very it's very obvious what's going on here. And Booker just wants to push Biden aside to clear out the establishment lane for him. Here is what uh, what Cory Booker continues to say about about Biden play four. Look, I was talking about the vice president's comments
2: uh, well before the debate where he used words like boy in a way that caused a lot of hurt and harm. And I called him out on it. And instead of uh, coming forward saying I could have said that better or let me tell you what I meant, he fell into a defensive crouch and tried to reassign blame and said that I should apologize to him. Whoever our nominee is going to be, whoever the next president is going to be, really needs to be someone who can all talk openly and honestly about race with vulnerability. Because none of us are perfect, but really call this country to common ground, to reconciliation. Uh, I'm not sure if Vice President Biden is up to that task, given uh, the way this last three weeks have played out. And uh, frankly, I know whoever is that nominee needs yeah. to be able to pull this country together because we need to reconcile. This
1: is Cory Booker channeling a college diversity educator, and I remember I had to work with the diversity educators when I was in college, saying things that sound good until you think about what's being said, then you realize that nothing is really being said at all. Call this country to reconcile? Based on what? Why? How? How do we reckon just because someone says we're going to reconcile? What are we supposed to do? Reconcile what, Exactly. But it doesn't matter. Just like it didn't matter what Joe Biden said or didn't say, he is getting attacked for being a white male establishment figure who's really old, and that's not going to change. But I just, I, I know I'm i am going to stop running around saying I told you so because I know you all knew I was correct on this one. But of course Joe Biden was never going to be. This is why you see the polls. They're now within single digits of, of Kamala and Booker. And does anyone think that Biden's going to get a second wind here and all of a sudden going to really distinguish himself? And of course not. How, How would he do that? Why would he do that? Why would Joe Biden be be president? What is the reason? Ask yourself that question. Even if you were a Democrat, what possible rationale could he have for being the leader of the free world? There's nothing. There's nothing in his background that suggests he'd be good at it. He has no new ideas. He doesn't have the energy or the vitality. He probably doesn't even have the the health uh, outlook to do it. So, folks, we're going to have either uh, either Booker, Warren, or Harris as the front runner within sixty days. You see, it's going to be one of those three, and then from there, it's going to be an issue of whether or not Bernie Sanders can rally his 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 uh, side of things. But that's how this sh- that's how this primary shaping up.
2: We got along very well. We understand each other. He's going to start buying a lot of farm products, which is great for our farmers while we negotiate. And I'm going to not increase tariffs, which I could do. I I have a lot we can do. And uh, we're going to put our teams together and continue a great negotiation. I think we can I think we can do something that will be historic. But we'll see. I mean, we're going to see. I'm in no rush. Uh we have a situation that works very well for us, and I'm sure he's happy. What we're going to do is they're going to buy a lot of farm product. We're not going to increase tariffs at this moment, and we'll see what happens with the negotiation. But we had a very good meeting.
1: I think that we need to recalibrate how we think of international relations and international trade and uh, in, in the media business, at least, because there's so much laziness around how people talk about this how they think about it let me let me explain why would it be easy for the united states to negotiate a trade deal with our nearest competitor and the only challenge to our global economic and cultural hegemony of course that's not going to be easy you think about all these different so-called foreign policy victories that the the democrats the left will talk about here's a perfect example the climate change uh, agreement and the the paris accord they act like this was some big difficult thing for obama to get done no it wasn't it's just all it's all bluster it's all pushing paper on it it's meaningless it's just meaningless there's no real enforcement mechanisms it's a bunch of bureaucrats agreeing to have more meetings with other bureaucrats where they determine whether or not the bureaucrats should all get a pat on the back for being so great. That's not hard. There's no challenge there. There's no brinksmanship. What Trump is trying with China and with North Korea is classic negotiation. You're making offers, you're you know, you're using the leverage you have, you're trying to induce, you're trying to, you know, bring about certain certain responses. But you're, but he's dealing with an opposition here. He's dealing with the on the Chinese side of the of this equation. He's dealing with a group or a, an entity, a, a regime that has its own interests that don't necessarily align with ours. So of course it's going to be kind of hard. And maybe we should stop thinking that these things are going to happen so very, very quickly. Uh, on North Korea, I think the president's. Relationship with Kim Jong Un sometimes does strike me as a little, a little odd, and it certainly is a favorite topic and a favorite talking point of the president's uh, opponents. I mean, people that don't like this president see what he says about Kim Jong Un and they say, "Oh, look at him; he's being so friendly and so so cuddly with this dictator." But you see the way that he deals even with, with Xi Jinping, and and he's trying to promote a personal relationship that might, that just might be helpful in getting some kind of a deal done. And that's why I give him a little more slack on this stuff, certainly than his, than his opponents, but then even, I think, conservatives who approach this with some degree of, uh, of skepticism. And I, I I understand skepticism. But that's why the media is is still very much freaking out about what happened in North Korea. They, they haven't decided that this is going to be... Um, this is something they're going to let go. Here's just a little, little taste of the, in the days after Trump talked to Kim Jong-un and went to the DMZ, here's what it sounds like. Play 13. Despite three years of almost bizarre foreign policy from this president, this country is no safer when it comes to North Korea. I'm not quite sure why this president is so bent on elevating the profile of a dictator like Kim Jong-un we've seen a history here, uh, especially in this case, where Donald Trump announces these summits and nothing really comes out of it. I have no idea why he's shaking hands with a dictator. You don't reward that kind of behavior with a visit to your country from the president of the United States.
2: It makes me want to puke. Just my visceral reaction as an American who cares about democracy and human rights. The fact that Donald Trump is going out of his way to kiss up
1: just To this monster so what do they what do they suggest we do with the monster you'll notice that a lot of whining a lot of complaining from democrats a lot of grandstanding a lot of sanctimonious oh my gosh i care so much about human rights okay you know what's the best thing that could possibly happen for the north korean people a major diplomatic breakthrough that results in a a flourishing of their economy because the Kim regime finally lets go of its iron grip on that country in ways that will not, it will never be perfect, and it's not going to happen quickly, but will create the, the the initial openings for economic prosperity. That's the best thing that could happen. I'm not saying it will. I'm not saying it's likely. But we're definitely not going to get there with what we've been doing for the last 30 years, which is pretending that North Korea is just going to implode if we do isolate it and ignore it. North Korea is not going to implode anytime soon. Once you start using language like implode as well, it brings to mind some of the other problems, like North Korea is getting more advanced missiles. North Korea's delivery mechanisms are improving for its nuclear warheads. We don't have endless time here, and I think the president understands that.
2: We're going to have a great 4th of July in Washington, D.C. It'll be like no other. It'll be special, and I hope a lot of people come, and it's going to be uh, about this country, and it's a salute to America. And I'm going to be here and I'm going to say a few words and we're going to have planes going overhead, the best fighter jets in the world and other planes, too. And we're going to have some tanks stationed outside. Woo.
1: Yeah, America. That's what I'm talking about. President Trump telling people, that's right. Come on. Come on down to the swamp, y'all. Come on down. Come on from across the country. Come hang out here in in Swamptopia, Washington, D.C. This will be my... Well, I, I won't plan to be in Swamp next year because I will not be in D.C. next summer. So, this is uh if, if you're in the area or if you just happen to be planning some travel to D.C., um, you should you should come on down and hang out. It should be really fun. That is it is one time one time of year where all the the history and the pomp and ceremony and circumstance and all that of D.C. I think is all for the good. Uh, I, I did not manage to go to any any of uh, of Pride parade, which happened in New York uh, when I was up there this past weekend, there was the the whole Pride parade situation going on. Very, very, very large Pride parade. I think it was the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall incident as well in New York City, which some of you may be familiar with. Uh, so I did not, I did not uh, get to that parade. Um, but I, I will say this: I am usually just as a as a general matter, I am anti parade. I'm not some person that tend that that likes to stand and watch i just don't like parades my exception would be about three minutes of bagpipes at the saint patrick's day parade maybe two minutes after what what you know you've heard some bagpipes you've heard the bagpipes and they're awesome don't get me wrong i love some bagpipes but i don't know how many hours of it you can really you know you can really handle it if you want my body and you think i'm sick come on baby let me know Some of you will catch that reference. Others of you will think I'm having some kind of episode here in the Freedom Hut. But I'm telling you, there's a reason. There's a reason that I said all those things. So, yeah, I'm just not a parade person. I'm not a parade person. Uh, I tend to think that they're very difficult on city resources. They're very messy. They slow down traffic. I know I'm a little curmudgeonly about it. Not as curmudgeonly as I am about street fairs in New York City, though. Some of you probably have this in well if you have a town where you don't have that much traffic and congestion you're like what's wrong with the street fair buck well in new york it just means that you can't get anywhere in a certain vicinity of the city because people want to sell fried dough and other little trinkets and things on the street trinkets from factories in pakistan yeah bring those right to you all the latest and greatest in the street fair world so anyway i uh I think it'll be a fun time here in Washington, D.C., and I'm sure the president is planning to put out some fantastic tweets and do the whole D.C. Americana thing, which will be good. Will be good. Mark, what are your – do you have some fourth plans, anything exciting in the mix?
0: Going to the beach, got a couple of parties to go to.
1: Well, look at you, fancy man. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, this is the, the time of year when it really is your patriotic duty to grill meat or at least to eat grilled meat. You don't have to do the grilling yourself. But you know, it's the same way that many you know, many Catholics eat fish on Fridays uh, during Lent. I, I think that many Americans should be eating grilled meat over the course of their Fourth of July holiday. Now, here's the other question. What is the most freedom-loving, patriotic movie one could possibly watch over the Fourth of July holiday? Mark, I turn to you.
0: I'm going to go with Die Hard here.
1: Wow, for Christmas and for the 4th of July, huh? Oh, isn't it
0: Christmas in July?
1: That's an interesting point. I guess it is. I guess the 4th of July is is the equivalent of summer Christmas because it is our best, it's by far our best summer holiday. I'm looking forward to this weekend, 4th of July. Independence Day, people, I know, oh, I'm going to get all this stuff tomorrow. Don't worry, I know, everyone's going to start saying, Buck, why aren't, you, why aren't you calling it Independence Day? I know it's Independence Day. And that's very important for us. We had to take King George and say, see you later, dude. No more, no more King George telling us what's up, putting a tax on our breakfast beverage, telling us that he's going to be able to go root through our, our, custom, our custom houses, customs houses. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's important stuff. I used to go down to Charlottesville, Virginia, um, on a fair amount of the Fourth of July's when I was growing up because I had, my dad had family down there. So we went on to Charlottesville to a, and go to a fireworks show at a little place called Farmington Country Club, uh, which was in the news not long ago because I believe there was an unfortunate incident there involving Tucker Carlson and his, uh, and his daughter, someone saying something mean. But I have very uh, fond memories of Farmington. The fireworks show there was quite good. And now this is where I probably just sneak in that I don't really like fireworks all that much. I know I'm horrible. I, I know you, you do not want to be sitting next to me at the fireworks show because I do not pay very much attention to it. I just, I just don't get the obsession with it. Fourth of July, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just not as excited by it as, as other people are. I think fireworks are a little tiny bit overrated. You know They go boom, they're very loud. You've seen one fireworks show. You've seen them all. Mark, am I correct or am I way off base?
0: 100% agree with you. I hate fireworks shows.
1: Yes. Look at this. I'm not alone. All your hate email now is coming at both of us. So at least I got that going for me, which is nice. Yeah, man, fireworks are just not that cool. It's just not. I love Fourth of July celebration. Don't get me wrong. I like the cooking of meat and the celebrating of America. But fireworks, not really, not really that excited by them. I don't know. I don't like parades. I don't like fireworks. I don't like picnics. There's a lot of stuff that people. like, oh, Buck, what about 4th of July picnics? No, no, no. It's not a picnic if you have chairs and tables and it's your backyard. That's called a barbecue. A picnic is when you carry your food with you, all of it, in a little basket, and then you go sit somewhere on the ground and eat on the ground. Why is that fun, I ask you? I do not understand this. It is something that has been romanticized for a long time. And I think the same thing, unfortunately, is somewhat true fireworks but don't listen to me i am i'm the bah humbug of the fourth of july and we'll come back and do roll call in just a moment
0: like soft butter on warm toast time to spread some freedom coast to coast
1: it's time for roll call roll call time everybody we are here with the roll call which means that uh, we get to have a little bit of a chat, friends. We get to talk about all the things that you have been sending me, all the thoughts, all the ideas. Let's get to it, shall we? Evan, my maid man, Evan. Buck, I had a thought about the proposal to cancel all student debt that I haven't heard anyone talking about. When debt is canceled or forgiven, it is counted as income for that year by the IRS. If $1.6 trillion in student debt is canceled, it represents an immediate windfall for the federal government. If the Democrats win in 2020, they could use this to fund a Medicare for all program and make it look revenue neutral for the first year or so. Just like with Obamacare, they cook the books long enough to get everyone on the new government program. Then it's virtually impossible to go back This may sound a little like a conspiracy theory, but just a thought. I haven't heard anyone talk about what would happen when thousands of uh, what does this go? Thousands of millennials suddenly find themselves owing thousands of dollars to the IRS instead of the Department of Education. So they don't want that brought up in the debates. Evan, are you a CPA, my friend? Because you know a lot more about this than I do. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I like I like where your head's at on this stuff. I All the numbers, all the things, all the stuff. I'm not a numbers guy, so a lot of you are going to write in and be like, Hey, Buck, numbers, blah, blah, blah. I got some number stuff. I'm going to say, Yeah, that's right. You know the numbers. I don't know the numbers. You know the numbers. Jeff. Jeff time. Hey, Buck, love the show. Jeff, the show loves you. Recently... Searching Facebook and find it interesting that if you search profile pick frames for Independence Day, only India results show up. You specifically have to search Independence Day USA to get American results, much like looking for Fox News on Google. Shields high. Well, Jeff, I that's interesting. I was unaware of that. That is very interesting, sir. Thank you for sending it my way. John spelled J. O N. Buck, I recently heard Dick Morris at a lecture explain what happens repeatedly to the Democrats when they lose the presidency. It goes back to Nixon in 68. Well, the Dems lost. They did not understand why and thought they had to move further left and ran McGovern, a total lefty in 72, losing in a landslide. Then they lost to Reagan in 80 and ran Mondale in 84, another lefty and were landslided. Then after Bush won in 2000, they ran lefty Kerry in 04 and were wiped again. The Dems won with middle-of-the-road Clinton, and then the very unique Obama situation. They don't see that the hard left is a loser nationally. Well, John, that has been true historically, but also the left has become more mainstream and more powerful in the last 10 years. I think there's very little doubt about that. Positions that would have been considered very extreme not long ago are now considered mainstream, uh, and the left has been getting its way with a whole slew of policies and and major national uh, national level governing agendas. Andrea, also known as Andrea. I don't know. She writes the fo- Whoa, wait, this is long. This is the brother of one of my dear high school friends. FYI, in case you are following. Uh, OK, this is. She's giving me some information here. Thank you for singing some Les Mis. Well, Andrea, thank you for liking the Les Mis. Jen, great show. All right, Jen, that's a good start. I've been checked out for a few months from politics, so I don't lose my mind. I'm now getting caught up on your show, and the stuff coming out of the Dems, the attack on the reporter, everything from the crazy New York chick just makes me so ill. They have no morals at all. Jen, I feel like when you're referring to the crazy New York chick, you must be talking about Ocasio-Cortez, although I can tell you as a man who has spent a bit of time out in New York and on the dating scene, there are more there's there's more than one crazy chick, so to speak. There there are lots of people. There are crazy dudes, too. This is not a sexist comment there. there There's some but there's some wacko folks out there. That is for sure. Uh, Yeah, the left has abandoned what would be considered some pretty I would think some pretty uh, standard morality they don't believe in it anymore they just they don't buy into it anymore michelle writes dear buck i think you are brilliant and i look forward to your show i know i will get the truth and get necessary information help me pass on fact-based policies and history which people need to be aware of to make america a better place your show i find valuable and necessary that is why i am upset when your show is replaced with another those are the nights I'm unable to get a podcast because my Wi-Fi is weak. Thank you for all you've taught and given us thus far. If I ever see you, which I doubt, but because I can't travel, I'll buy you a Patron. Say thank you and leave the building. Uh, thank you again, Michelle. Well, Michelle, you're very kind. Thank you so much. And I, I wish it was easy for you to get the podcast. So that that's my hope. I, I can't change whatever local stations do with the show. I can't change that. So thank you for... Uh, supporting me despite the fact that sometimes yep sometimes they decide to put something else in the mix don't know what to tell you hey call on your local station be like why are you preempting the buck sexton show you know that, that that's always one way to go you'd be like hey guys i got an idea don't do that that would be helpful wouldn't it wouldn't that be a nice thing david writes just watch dope on netflix tells me we aren't taking a stance on the drug trafficking in our country very seriously um all right i'll check that out david thank you uh let's see here Th- thomas oh wow thomas this is a novel i cannot get to this on the air but thank you for writing it in and i will read it on my own time kenny if you go into a mexican restaurant and it's uh okay thank you kenny what else do we have here uh adam Buck, when you do write a book, please agree to read it yourself. For those of us who use Audible, no one will be able to capture your message the way you do. Shields high. Well, there's a book coming out, my friends, by yours truly. This uh, it'll be by the end of the year. It's just going to be a little bit of an overview of the the battle against socialism in 2020. That's really what we're going for here. So I hope you all will enjoy it. Um, it's happening. It is in progress. And there you have it. Uh, point Uh, here's don wow don i don't know what this is all about well sorry today there's some messages i don't know what's going on here randy i'm appalled that ilhan omar has not whoa okay randy he's appalled that ilhan omar that's the only thing i think i can say there guys what's going on with the messages today you know these are some of these are going to get read on air ronnie d and i will be in the swamp for the fourth of july we would like to meet you Maybe show us some swamp monsters, uh, and then there's some information here. You said you hang out at Trump International. Ronnie, I will be at the Trump International on Thursday. This Thursday, I will be at the Trump International in the evening, so anybody who cares to find me in the flesh and in person can find me there. Uh, I'm not sure what the Secret Service presence will be like, but there might be some of that going on, so just be aware. It might be a little harder to get in and uh get into the building that it usually is. I, I don't know. It depends on who from the from the administration decides to to turn out. Um, let's see here. What else have we got going on? You know what, team? We're going we're gonna to call it today on the roll call. How about that? There enough roll call for one day. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. I want to get some new folks writing in, too, because right now I've got a lot of... I love the repeat business, but I like first-timers. That's going to be it for the Freedom Hut today honor privilege pleasure was well mostly mine hopefully a little bit of yours too appreciate it though folks i will talk to you tomorrow we will be just a quick uh, programming note we will be on air tomorrow i think some of you have it in your minds that oh no they won't buck doesn't work on july 3rd yes he does yes he does i will be working on the 3rd of july so do expect that and uh, tomorrow we will have a live show. We might have some friends joined. It'll be a fun show. A great one to listen to as you are barbecuing and doing fun things for the holiday weekend. This is a great holiday. The 4th of July is fantastic. Although I did try to buy a Stars and Stripes suit, jacket, and pants. And it wasn't going to get here in time. So I wasn't able to do it. I was going to have some great stuff for Instagram. Oh, that reminds me. If you don't already, follow me on Instagram. Buck Sexton. Very easy. And that's what we got for the show. So tomorrow we are live. Be sure to join me then. Until then, my friends, shields high.